0: So last week, we were looking at the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew 1, verses 1 through 17. And if you were here last Sunday evening, we thought about three things. We thought about Jesus as the promised child. He's a long-promised son of God, prophesied from the beginning of the Bible to come and crush the head of the serpent, to come and rescue his people from sin, and to bring blessing to all from the nations who would put their faith and trust in him. And then we looked at uh, the genealogy in some more detail when we thought about the prostitutes and the pagans that are numbered in Jesus's uh, family tree. And we saw some of the skeletons in the closet, as it were, in, in his family story. We thought about the scandals attached to Tamar, to Ruth, Rahab, Bathsheba, all giving us an insight into the fact that Jesus was come to save uh, those with Messy, sinful paths. And then finally, we we saw how Jesus was the son of providence. God preserved the line, the family line, the descendants of David, even through the exile, leading to Joseph and Mary. Well, tonight we're going to be thinking about the scandal of Christmas. One of the striking things about Matthew's gospel is that he helps us look at the first Christmas through the eyes of Joseph. So the genealogy in chapter 1 verses through 17, that's a genealogy of Joseph's line. If you were to read Luke's account of the first Christmas, that's through Mary's perspective, and it's in the genealogy recorded there, that's Mary's line. In fact, you could go home tonight, just just compare those two genealogies and you'll you'll spot the differences. After um, Solomon's son, there's a difference of the, the way the lines go down. Now, When we look at Christmas through the eyes of Joseph, it's fascinating because we were unable to see the scandalous aspects to the first Christmas. Now, when I use that word scandal, that means an action or an event that causes a feeling of public shock or disapproval. And that's what we see when we look at Christmas through the the eyes of Joseph. Now, it's so easy when we, we come to this story that we know so so well that we perhaps get filled with feelings of sentimentality, enamored by feelings of tenderness to all that happens. Jesus been born in a manger. But actually, when you stop and think about it, there was so much shock, so much scandal, so much unexpected. So we're going to walk through this passage, and we're going to think about the scandalous news that Mary breaks to Joseph, the scandalous message that the angel brings to Joseph, and then the scandalous meaning of the incarnation and the mission of Jesus. So let's look at the scandalous news that Mary broke to Joseph. Verse 18. Now, just as we read this, I just want to read the first bit. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. Now If, you, if we were reading Matthew chapter 1 from the beginning, everything Matthew says is very matter of fact. The genealogy, the gene, genealogy of Jesus the son of Abraham, son of David. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. Now, now what's striking us is that by setting things up in this way, we're not expecting scandal. These are just bare facts. The next fact he tells us, when his mother, Mary, had been betrothed to Joseph. The, The next fact is Mary and Joseph were engaged. Now, betrothal in Jewish culture was a bit more serious than our modern-day engagement. This morning, we're we're celebrating and reveling in the good news of Frederick and Iona's engagement. Well, back in the first century, if you got engaged, betrothed, it was a legally binding commitment. You'd live apart, you'd spend a year making preparations for the wedding, you, you made this agreement in the presence of witnesses. The only way for this agreement to be broken would be through unfaithfulness or death. Like it was as serious as, as marriage. So, so, so if we just want to enter into this story for just a moment, you've got Mary and Joseph, they're betrothed. Just think about that. That means that they are, they're excited. They're making preparations for this wedding day. They're dreaming of living life together, spending the rest of their lives with one another, becoming one in God's sight. But look at what Matthew says next. Here comes the shock. Here comes the scandal. Before they came together, Mary was found to be with child. This couple who are dreaming of life together filled with excitement, making plans, now we need to have a really serious conversation. You can imagine Mary saying, Joseph, can you just sit down? I need to tell you something. Joseph, I I don't know how to tell you this, but I'm pregnant. Now, the key thing to note is, Joseph knew, obviously the this child was not his own because they had not come together. They had not consummated their marriage. In one sense, they were unwed. And you can imagine the shock, the horror, the sense of betrayal. And Mary may have continued, Joseph, I need to tell you, that. though listen to me, please listen to me. An angel of the Lord appeared to me. He told me that as a virgin, I am going to give birth to a child. In fact, the child is the longed for Messiah. You can imagine Joseph just sitting there thinking, what? Have you lost it? Now, as Joseph processed, Mary's news to him, the scandalous news that she was pregnant. we got to bear in mind they lived in a a shame and honor culture. And everything about your life was always looked on from the outside of, of, of what it meant in terms of shame or honor. So if Mary has just said to Joseph she's pregnant, everybody will know, and everybody did learn because they became the gossip of the Nazareth, that she fell pregnant before they got married. And that would heap shame on Joseph. And so Joseph's pondering these things. What's the, what's the right response in this quandary? And, and maybe that begs the question for you and I, what do we do when our world falls apart? How do we respond? How do we behave? Just just look at how Joseph responded. We read in verse 19, and her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. You know what would have happened if Joseph had decided to deal with this as many a Jewish man would have? He would have gone to the elders at the gate. He'd have told them, My wife has been unfaithful. They would publicly try her. They would humiliate her. And then, in keeping with God's Old Testament laws in Deuteronomy, they would stone her to death for unfaithfulness. And yet, Joseph, being a just and an unwilling man, unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. I want you to notice this. Joseph took the time to consider things. He didn't fly off the handle. He wasn't off savaging Mary's character to his friends. In the midst of a devastating situation, a scandalous situation, he took the time to consider what would be best for Mary. Why? Because he loved God. Because he loved Mary. And because, even though he was confused and heartbroken, and he didn't know what to do, he knew that the right thing to do as a man of God and a man in love was not to shame her. You know, there's many heroes I have in Scripture, but I think Joseph has got to be one of my real heroes. If you're a man here, right, if you're an aspiring husband, become like Joseph. He's one of the most unassuming, self-effacing men we read about in Scripture. We barely read about him, but when we do read about him, he is a man who lived to bless, please God and bless others. Are our actions born from a love of God, a love of others, and seeking to do the best for others? Don't forget Joseph's story. Now, if he was stunned, shocked, scandalized by this news that Mary's brought to him, now think of the stunning shock he would receive in this dream when an angel appears to him with more scandalous news. We read there, don't we, in verse 20, but as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him. Now, I love this. He's distraught. He's heartbroken. He's confused. We've just get an insight into his true character, and God's timing is perfect. In this moment, God in grace comes to Joseph with an angel, with a message. And, And this message corroborates what Mary's told him. She is pregnant as a virgin because of the Holy Spirit. Now, I just want you to see how this angel spoke to Joseph. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph. Now, we've just studied the genealogy of Joseph in the last week. Who was Joseph's father? Were you listening last week? <laughs> Jacob. The angel doesn't say, Joseph, son of Jacob. The angel says, Joseph, son of David. Now, in this very title that Joseph's addressed with, he would have known that this is something altogether different. He probably had never been called that, son of David. That's who he was. He was of the line of David. David. He, he knew that to a degree, hence the reason when the census is called, he returns to Bethlehem, the town of David. He knew that's where his family were from, that's their line. But this angel announces this to him because the angel is saying to him, Joseph, you're a son of the promise. The promise that God will bring through one of David's descendants, ultimately, the Messiah. You know, it's interesting, 17 times in the New Testament, you'll read that phrase, son of David, and with the exception of once here, it's to Jesus. Joseph's not a, a small part in the Christmas story. We remember Mary, but here's Joseph, the son of David. His life was all part of the glorious plan of God. He was God's chosen descendant who would play a role in salvation history help helping raise and rear the Son of God. Now, look at what the, the, the angel says next. Do not fear to take Mary as your wife. Here's a simple question. What would Joseph be afraid of in taking Mary as his wife? Shame. A life of shame. Take shame. Mary as your wife, everyone knows she's pregnant and you are not the father. Or, she's pregnant and they'll think you are the father, but you slept with her before you were meant to. Public shame. And the angel says, Joseph, don't be afraid. Take Mary as your wife. Why shouldn't he be afraid to take Mary as his wife? Look at what the angel goes on to say. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. With this one line, everything that Mary said to Joseph, no doubt when she broke the news to him, is true. Here's the angel of the Lord saying it. There is no betrayal. There's not been a breach in their trust, in their marriage. No, God has appeared to Mary in an angel and told her that she's going to be the mother of the Messiah. And now is an angel appearing to him, telling him the same, reassuring him, you and Mary are all part of the plan and the purposes of God to see the Son of God brought into this world. I was making this point this morning, just a slightly different point, that all of our stories are part of a bigger story. Your entire life, is lived under the sovereign plan and purposes of God. And sometimes when we, when we live our lives, we, we, we fail to appreciate that, that our story is part of a far bigger story. God is working out His purposes in this world, and He works out His purposes through us, in your life and in my life, in glorious and spectacular ways, even when we're not aware of it, in the ordinary and the mundane. Now, here's Joseph and Mary, the glorious purposes, but don't ever forget that your life is under the sovereign plan and purpose of God, and he is working out his great plans and purposes through you and me. Our stories are part of a much bigger story. History is his story. So, so here's the, the scandalous news that the angel begins to break to Joseph. Now he, he goes on and he says, you need to know the origins of Jesus. He'll be conceived by the Holy Spirit. Instead of something terrible, this is something wonderful. God the Holy Spirit will work in Mary's womb, the womb of a virgin, and the mysterious work of the Holy Spirit will bring a baby to existence, the Son of God. Twice in this passage, verses 18 verse 20, um, Joseph has told us the pregnancy originates in the miraculous and mysterious work of the Holy Spirit. That gives Joseph Assurance, confidence. This is God's doing. Then he's told that all of this is to fulfill the plan of God. Look at verse 22. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. It's real debate among the scholars who said that. Was that an editorial comment of Matthew, or did the angel say those words? It doesn't matter. Joseph's been reminded, the son that will be born is part of the plan and the purposes of God. The child born to a virgin will be Emmanuel. God with us. So we've got his origins, we've got the fact that Jesus is coming to fulfill the plan of God, and then even more, he's told something about his identity. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. And and, and listen, the scandalous news of the angel to Joseph... ...is telling him the scandal... ...the outrageous news... ...of the incarnation. See, this baby that's to be born... ...he's truly human. He's of the line of David. He's going to be a baby... ...completely, utterly dependent... ...upon its mother for survival. He's going to be able to bleed... ...and die. In fact, he's going to be born... ...to die. But much more than merely a man... He will be God. Now just think about that. The the one who will be born to Mary is man's maker. Man's maker becomes a man. Augustine, the the, the early church father, put it like this. Man's maker was made man that he, ruler of the stars, might nurse at his mother's breast. That the bread might hunger. That the fountain thirst. The light sleep. The way be tired on its journey, that truth might be accused of false witnesses, the teacher be bit, beaten with whips, the foundation be suspended on wood, that strength might grow weak, that the healer might be wounded, that life might die. The scandalous news that the angel says to Joseph is the one to be born is both God And man, it's the mystery and the wonder of the incarnation. You know, Christmas is a great time for for us as Christians because we get to celebrate. This is what we celebrate. The thought that always gets me when I, I think about this baby being Emmanuel, being God, is that when Mary held Jesus in her arms and she kissed him, as the popular song goes, Mary kissed the face of God. She really did. Did you know that your baby boy has walked where angels trod? When you kiss your little baby, you've kissed the face of God. Mary, did you know that your baby boy is Lord of all creation? One day he'll rule the nations. Did you know that your baby boy was heaven's perfect lamb and the sleeping child you're holding is the great I am. The scandal of the incarnation is the baby to be born to Mary is God. Emmanuel. God with us. God for us. Now just before we look at the scandal of his mission, just notice in verse 24. That Joseph, when he woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded. He took his wife. He knew her not until she'd given birth to a son. Now, I really mean that Joseph is is someone we we ought to to hold in high esteem and follow as a hero of the faith because, you know, when you, you think about it, Joseph did live a life of shame. Read through the Gospels and the Pharisees and people, they slandered behind his, the back of Jesus regarding his his origin story, his early beginnings. And one of the really interesting things about Joseph is we don't read much of him after actually when they fled to um, Egypt. And and it's presumably because Joseph died before Jesus began his public ministry. And so. Joseph's purpose in the plans of God was to raise and rear Jesus in his early years, train him as a carpenter in his workshop, take all the insults, all the gossip, all the shame, all the while knowing in his head and in his heart what the angel had told him, the son that will be born to Mary is Emmanuel, born to save. You know, Mary had the, the highest honor in, in, in the sense of she got to bear the, the Messiah. But don't miss the final verse. Verse 25, who gave Jesus his name, the earthly name? Joseph. He called him Jesus. And here we get the scandal of Jesus' mission. Back in verse 21, we're told by the angel, that Joseph is told by the angel, Mary will bear a son, you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. This is what Christmas is all about. It's all about celebrating the fact that God became man, but he became man in order to die, in order to save us, in order to take our shame, our guilt, our sin, the punishment, the penalty, And this truly is scandalous. Like, just think about it like this. What do you and I deserve from God? You see, this is what you and I have done. We have been unfaithful to God. We deserve public trial. Public humiliation. All of our sins... Listed, numbered, named, and all of our sins, we ought to bear the punishment and the penalty. The wages of sin is death. But here's the wonder of the mission of Christ. He comes. He's born. Emmanuel. Not just to be with us, but he's for us. He he, he lives a life we could not live perfect. He dies at death on the cross to take in himself the penalty and the punishment we deserve, the shame, the guilt. He takes a public humiliation. He pays the public penalty. Why? To make you and I his bride. To wash us and cleanse us. To fit us and ready us for the marriage supper of the Lamb. It's a scandal of his mission. Jesus came into this world because he loves us. Everything he did was yet to please the Father, but it was to bless others, to bless people like you and me. Amazingly, embedded in the apparent scandal of the incarnation and the mission of Jesus is the audacious hope of our salvation. It's the most sublime truth of Christianity. Jesus came into this world so that you and I would never have to be publicly shamed, publicly humiliated, face a penalty that our sins deserve, but be the recipients of his forgiveness, his love, his life, his hope. And in the most beautiful way, it's all pictured in the story of Joseph. (laughs) What 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 a perfect earthly father to give him. Someone who knew grace. I read this quote just this week and it just helped me meditate on what Jesus came into this world to do. From the heights of glory to the depths of shame. From the wonders of heaven to the wickedness of earth. From exaltation to humiliation. From the throne to the tree. From dignity to debasement, from worship to wrath, from the halls of heaven to the nails of earth, from the coronation to the curse, from the glory place to the gory place. The scandal of the incarnation and mission of Jesus is one of love, outrageous grace, and marvelous mercy. And here's the invitation. Believe in Him, trust in Him. It's as simple as that. Confess your sin to Him. And know no shame. Receive His righteous record. Don't no curse. No blessing forevermore. No life forevermore. It's a scandalous story of Christmas. Let's pray. Our glorious God, we thank you that in the first Christmas that we've been able to study tonight through the eyes of Joseph, we we do see the, the scandalous nature of the news he first heard from Mary's lips, and then the news he heard from the angels' lips. Lord, we thank you that in your scripture you've preserved his story so that we can reflect. And it's not about him, it's about the son that you gave through his life for this world. And for that, we are so truly thankful for your son. We thank you that even as, we, as we've studied this story afresh, God, we pray that you would, in our hearts, put the awe and the wonder that is deserving of your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. To think of him... Second person of the Trinity, becoming man in order to die that we might never die but have eternal life. Becoming man and taking in his body the punishment and the penalty that our sins deserve. Taking the guilt and the shame. Oh God, we pray that you would leave us in on wonder. And even as we go into this week, we truly would be marveling at the truth and the mystery of the incarnation and the mission of Jesus. May the good news, may the joy of salvation be our strength. And may it be that which we seek to live out in our own lives. God, make us men and women in many ways like Joseph, just and gracious in all of our dealings, wanting to do the best for others at all times. May we embody the life of Christ. We pray this in his precious name of Jesus. Amen.